Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is The Guardian. I had to go about it, write it out, and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. This is the final word, Ashes Daily, brought to you by Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon, and me, Emma John. Welcome to Adelaide, where day is night, night is day, and those of us in England are eating breakfast while the players have dinner in what should be the lunch break. A weird, liminal world where England pick an all-pace attack but leave out their fastest bowler. A place whose laws demand you take a Covid test before you cross the border but are totally fine with you going out to dinner and sitting at the next table to the Australian captain before you get the result. Yes, you've just crossed over into the twilight zone. After their three-and-a-bit-day victory in Brisbane, Australia promised to make this game more competitive by starting with a handicap, the complete absence of their new ball pair. Hot on the heels of Josh Hazelwood's side strain came the discovery that skipper Pat Cummins would have to isolate after close contact with a fellow diner the night before the game. Happily for them, Joe Root, who left out Stuart Broad at the Gabba, had already made the equally incomprehensible decision to rest Mark Wood here. The result was a pretty attritional first day after Steve Smith, yes, that Steve Smith, won the toss and decided to bat. Marcus Harris went early to a flying catch from Joss Butler that defied Newtonian physics, and David Warner took 20 balls to get his first run, the slowest start in his test career. He and Marnus Labuschagne weathered the new ball and every DRS route threw at them, and Australia's 50 didn't come up until after the dinner interval. For much of the day, Ben Stokes was the greatest threat to their composure, bowling short to a heavy legside field. Labuschagne was repeatedly forced to fend off balls at chest height, sometimes looking about him blindly to check where they dropped, but more frequently giving himself the kind of third-person pep talk only Marnus can muster. All this was enough to persuade the England captain to stuff a box down his trousers and take up position at silly mid-off. But Labuschagne and Warner's second consecutive 100 partnership of the series was more than enough to put Australia in control on day one. Butler, bless him, cancelled out his own brilliance by dropping Labuschagne not once but twice, and even after Warner had clapped a Stokes short ball to cover in sniffing distance of his century, the long-awaited dusk brought little relief. Australia saw off the new ball to finish the day on 221 for two, and Labuschagne needs only five more runs to complete a resilient hundred. As Marnus himself would say, well played, Marnus. And now over to Adam and Jeff at the ground. What I do know is that that was a really interesting day of test cricket. I mean, let's just start with the plans that were deployed against David Warner. 1932-33, Douglas Jardine clapped his hands and and came the ring of catches around the bat. Mm -hmm. Effectively the same thing today with Ben Stokes bowling from the cathedral end, but the difference being that the the three men were back on the rope and three men were in front of Square on the leg side. I mean, and in a fly slip too. So it's not as though they came here uh, sort of going to dogmatically hold on to plan A. I mean, they, they were 
I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say it worked perfectly, but mm. I like that Joe Root was sort of thinking about a bit of enterprising captaincy even before the end of the first session. You know what? I'm going to have a completely different view of that, which is that that looked desperate. That looks ridiculous. They had the bouncer field going for Stokes after 21 overs in a pink ball test match. Like, yes, granted, it wasn't swinging, but you're supposed to try to get the outside edge. But isn't he the point of difference? Isn't he the... I mean, I think of it this way. Stokes in this test is effectively your spinner in that... You, you can't have five guys doing the same thing. Sure. Because playing four quicks, leaving Unless they're Jack making Leach. pizza. In Unless that case, it works out really well. They, 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 yeah. They've got that down to yeah, a fine that's art. That's fine. If they're making chips, yep. and if they're making... Bur- they're yep. fine. 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 Five guys, fine. Putting but chicken not, salad on potatoes, can do. Good as gold. Yep. But not, not five guys bowling yep. between 79 mile an hour and 84 mile an hour. They needed a point of difference, and at least they gave it a crack. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I know it didn't I quite felt, work, but it nearly did. I felt like it was too early. Like you're, you're smashing up a relatively newer ball. Like maybe if you're doing that after 50 overs, there's there's some point to it. Yet they had root bowling, the part-time spinner bowling after 23 overs. He went through all of his bowlers in the first session. It just felt like, you know, every kid who came to the party <laughs> had to have a go. They took Broad off after four overs when he's bowling really well. None of it seemed to make sense. It all seemed like pre-planning instead of actually captaining on the field. And that's what... That's, that's the root era, is overthinking things, planning too much, not being responsive, not having an instinct for the game, but having a plan that you stick to. And it just it just felt like they were nowhere after they lost the toss. Yeah, it was the slowest start for Australia uh, since 1997 at home after 10 overs. They were 11 for one. They lost Marcus Harris, 22 test innings, averaging 22, averages nine and a half against England. I mean, Peter Hanscom was left out of the, the team after mm-hmm. two Ashes test matches four years ago. I wonder whether it'll be a similar fate for Harris, who got caught down the leg side. A great take from Butler. Let's go all the way to the other end of the day with Josh Butler though, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Hard not to. How often do we talk about the Ooh. last half an hour day-night test cricket? Uh. It all happens there and and Joss, who we love on the show, we've had on the show, we'd love him to do better for England at Red Bull level, but a, a straightforward chance and uh, there will be that added layer of scrutiny that the best keeper that England got is Ben Folks, who's not playing. Johnny Burstow's in the squad. I mean, it, it's just one of those moments in time for Josh Butler uh, that people won't forget in the hurry and it lets Marnus Labuschagne off the hook on 95. After having let him off the hook on 21. Yeah, I mean, yeah. these are bookend drop catches for a guy who's just about made 100. Now, that was when the Stokes plan worked for a little bit. You know, he was bowling short. Labuschagne tried to pull one, turned around, got it off the glove. Butler had already taken a really good catch yep. just before that to, to get rid of Harris. Um, that, had, that had worked really well. But this, this ball, look, it's high, but not that high. It's about here. It's a little bit leg side, but it's relatively regulation. It goes into the left hand and comes out. And then the one at the end of the day is straight up regulation like this in front of the body. Anderson, more bounce with the new ball. Labuschagne's trying to force off the back foot, clips it off the top edge straight into the gloves and out. And yeah, he looked distraught, but he's not performing in test matches. So when's the last time he won a test with the bat? It was that Pakistan game last summer, yeah. it, it, in last English summer, so a year and a half ago. He's averaging about 30 in test cricket. He's not what he is in white ball cricket, which is a, a game changer, but he doesn't change games. He just sees them continue on their same trajectory. And when his keeping starts to go, like, it's understandable that people will be calling for a proper wicketkeeper. So Labuschagne gets a chance on, yeah, 21, then 95. He'll resume tomorrow. It was far from his most fluent innings, but gee, he loves batting here. And by here, I mean Adelaide, Australia, against the pink ball, against mm. every uh, measure there. He's dominant. I think he averages 75 in Australia now or something ridiculous. Yep. He's on the cusp of his third pink ball century. Nobody's done that before, of course. Yep. He made that wonderful century here in a huge partnership with David Warner two years ago. They put on 172 mm. today. How's this? They're batted together 
10 times in test cricket in Australia for five century stands, an average of 125 runs per partnership Yikes. when playing in this country. Yeah. I mean, these two together, yeah. providing that, or not, not protection of Stephen Smith, but just making sure that mm -hmm. Smith is always coming in against the old ball, there could not be a greater contrast to Joe Root, the England number four, their talisman, who is always in at, at, at two for Sodor. Yep. Yeah, absolutely right. And can I tell you a theory that I've been working on through the day? A bit of this is in my Guardian column. Uh, if you're listening to this show on The Guardian, you can read that. I think today was basically a go slow with the bat because all they wanted was to make England bowl tomorrow because yeah. they know it's going to be 37 degrees tomorrow and then the last three days of the test, it's like 22, 23, lovely bowling weather. So I think all they wanted was to make sure they bat five sessions. Five sessions, Make that's England right. do full uh, distance in the 37 degrees, pop them in in the evening. And it's like, it didn't matter how many runs you scored today. You just had to bat time today. I wonder if it was that forward thinking, but how, you don't see David Warner, you know, make one off 40 balls or whatever it was that he did today. It, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, I think he uh, I think he struck his first run from his 20th ball, his first boundary from his 36th delivery, 80-odd uh, balls to reach 10. I thought he was on track for his slowest 100, which was 209 balls at Chittagong uh, back in 2017. Mm -hmm. That didn't quite come to fruition, although he did um, speed up as we, we got to the back half of his innings. But with Warner, what I'm finding interesting in this series so far, he's quite happy to back away the leg. Now, last week, I think it was a little bit about the ribs, maybe mm -hmm. today as well. It ultimately brought his downfall but and Labashane as well. I mean, I, I already drew the comparison, the 32-33, but yep. there was a bit of that with the way Labashane backed away to try and access the offside. If he fed Joe Root a catch a second slip in like the fifth over he was out there, it would have made for a dreadful replay. Mm. He gets through that, gets four there, and, and so it goes. Yeah, but, sort, of, sort of ramps it over Yeah, slip, very unusual basically. to see in the first session of a test match. Again, it was an but unusual after, day after of test dead cricket. batting everything, dead yeah. bat, dead bat, then he... Pops one over slip. Then he dead bats about another 15 overs. Then he hooks one just over square leg. They had square leg sort of halfway back. Stuart Broad, tallest guy on the field and, and couldn't quite reach it. It was this weird mix of, of like reckless attack with a lot of defence. Yeah, and then Warner ultimately gets out in that fashion. Pulls beautifully through the onside when, when Stokes goes short in about his fifth spell of that tactic. Next ball, again, just trending back a little bit mm -hmm. and picks out Stuart Broad just in front of point. He was the only fielder in front of point on the offside and there's Broad. Couldn't believe his luck. Likewise, Ben Stokes. So yep. Warner's gone for 94 last week, 95 this week at Adelaide, mm -hmm. having to that point only had one score mm -hmm. in the 90s in Test cricket. So he had, he had a fabulous conversion rate, uh, exactly what you want to have. Have, I suppose, but a great contribution, doubly so due to the bruise ribs he came into the test match with. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. The most important thing today was that toss because Australia lose their captain and their best fast bowler, having already lost Hazelwood. If they're put into bowl... And the ball did not swing. So Crickview said this was the least swing of any first day in an Australian test in seven years. It didn't do anything. It went dead straight. If you gave that to Joe Richardson and Michael Nisa, one on debut, sure. one having played two tests three years ago, yeah. along with Mitchell Stark and said, have a bowl, fellas, things could have got really ugly. Even, you know, England's batting is shaky, but things could have gone really badly for them. 
Instead, they didn't even have to grapple with the absence of Cummins. They may not have to for another couple of sessions tomorrow. And by that point, if they if they bat through, if, if wickets don't fall and they're well ahead, well, they'll have nothing to worry about. Like the, the new bowlers won't be under any pressure at all if they've got a big score to back them up. Yeah, I mean, I'm thrilled for Michael Nisa. I mean, I, I've celebrated this all day. We've obviously you know, been running a fair bit of, what would you call, activist journalism around mm-hmm. Nisa over the last couple of years, wanting him to play test cricket after sort of being in the squad for such a long stretch of time and not getting that baggy green. Uh, let's just touch on that before we move to the second half of the show. Uh, Pat Cummins, close contact. Had we been in Melbourne or Sydney, in all probability, he would have been permitted to play today. Uh, there are reports that they went to the very top echelons of government. Mm. Uh, cricket I Australia Nick in order to get didn't him. answer your question when you no, asked fun, him that. No, funny he didn't answer my question when yeah. I put to him a couple of times, did you call the PM's office? Maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but he didn't answer my question mm. uh, when, when I put it to him. Uh, so Cummins out in those unusual circumstances. It could have easily been Cummins, Stark and Lyon. The story's got quite a bit to it. Um, mm-hmm. I suppose all we can really discuss, though, is that Nathan Nathan Lyon, Stephen Smith, yeah. is the captain of Australia again. The boos are always louder. Uh, so, I mean, we, we heard this at Lords in, in 2019, uh, the Archer Smith uh, stoush that people mm-hmm. were saying the English crowd were booing. A few cretins were booing. The vast majority of people acknowledge what a mighty effort it was from Steve Smith. I, I sort of felt the same way tonight, that most people yep. are like, he's done the crime, he's very much done the time, and he's acting captain this week and play on. Yeah, I think that's, that's probably a majority view, but there, I think there is still a strong minority who don't think that. I had a lot of messages today from people who were upset saying, I don't want to see him captain our team again. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think there is uh, yeah, a very vocal minority, and I'm not discounting their view. I think it's view. a big minority. I don't think it's like a... 2% minority. No, no, I don't I think, think it's a 2% it's a... either. If I was, you know, picking a number out the air, I'd say a 20% yeah. grouping, and that might raise to sort of 40% from those that don't follow it too closely. I think people that follow it really closely like we do, and probably if you're watching this podcast as well, you know, you know a bit more about ball tampering and a bit more about uh, the story more generally. You might have read mm. Jeff's book who put a lot of meat on the bones, but yeah, Smith captaining Australia again, which is yeah, a fascinating development in, in what's been a, an extraordinary story over the last few years. Mm. Uh, Hall of Fame, the final word, Hall of Fame. Marnus Labuschagne is the fourth Hall of Fame. fastest. Yeah, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame. Okay. He's the fourth fastest man to reach 2,000 test runs. How about okay. that? Uh, and the third fastest Australian after Brabham, who ruins everything. Okay. And Mike Hussey, who did it yep. in 33 hits, Labuschagne 34. And how about this stat that was on screen at one stage? Out of Labuschagne's first 92 runs, 56 were between mid-wicket and fine leg. Okay. I mean, that takes some doing. You know, the the... the to think yeah. that, that that is to be dominating your scoring to such an extent in one corner of the it's, ground. It's quarter of an hour on the clock, or yeah. is it? Or is it like? Is it like seven and a half minutes? So. I mean, it, it's uh, it. it, it uh, Again, he got beaten repeatedly by yeah. Anderson especially. I thought bowled really nicely today as well and unlucky not to get his wicket laid in the piece. But, yeah, looking forward to that starting again tomorrow. Uh, my Hall of Fame would be, you mentioned Douglas Jardine in the 30s earlier. Go back another decade into the 20s. What was Clem Hill doing at this ground? Yes. Making 90s a yes. lot. David Warner last week, 94. This week, 95. Is he going to go on a Clem Hill-style spree and go 96, 97, 98? 99, will he make 100 in the second innings at Sydney? I think that would get him there. If they bat two times, will he finally get that century? Well, there is the sculpture of Clem Hill that was uh, uh, revealed at mm-hmm. the, the corresponding Ashes Test match here four years ago. Yep. So only fitting that another punchy left-hander yep. uh, would go on a similar streak to the South Australian. Great. Uh, player of the day for mine, gee, I suppose it's Marnus again. And you know what? No, it's David Warner. It's David Warner. It's David Warner. Gave, only because he gave no chances. He gave no chances. And I just love the fact that as he gets older, he's getting more resourceful. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to like David Warner, let's call it version four, version five, whatever we're up to now. It's going to be compelling viewing over the next couple of Mm -hmm. years as he 
predictably starts to wane in terms of his, his yep. eyes and hands and whatever and how resourceful he can get and still scoring heavily like he has in these first two tests. A few shots were still there. That, that sort of when he nailed the pull shot from Broad pretty early on and Broad had tested him out a bit and then just crunched him through square leg. You know, the Warner moments are there. There are just fewer of them. Uh, that has been the final word daily with Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon from here at Adelaide Oval. Back together at last. If you like what we do, patreon.com forward slash the final word. You can get involved there. Listen to all our back catalogue at finalwordcricket.com. I think that's it. Uh, thank you, linesman. Thank you, ball boys. We'll see you tomorrow. Adelaide Oval, Australia, take the honours on day one. Day two coming up. That's it for today. Thanks from Adam, Jeff and me for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And if you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe. The episode was produced by Joe Coning and The Final Word is produced by Bad Producer Productions and edited by James Hurley. The executive producers are Gabrielle Jackson and Melanie Tate.